0: Have been here last Wednesday when uh, we were blessed with Matt being able to bring a message to us. But I don't know if you realized or not, but y'all did witness a miracle that night. For those of you who weren't here, I'm, you know uh, you, you missed something great if you if you miss that. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see what happened Wednesday night happen here again, where you take a 15-point message and get it into 30 minutes, and it's not a six-week series. Uh, so obviously, the spirit and power of God was upon him that night, and allowed him to bring forth that message and get us through it uh, in, in, in one setting. So that was that was a good thing. <clears throat> I apologize in advance for my voice. I have no idea what the doctors did while I was under anesthesia, if they changed my voice box out or what, but it's been broken ever since, and I'm just hoping it holds out for the duration of the message. Uh, let me move this up a little bit. Um, I do want to thank you uh, to my church family for... Your prayers. and I talked to a number of people, and obviously there were people praying for me, not just here in Franklin, but I know about people in Texas, people in Washington State. So there was a lot of a lot of prayers that went out. It, it, it was a little bit of a, a scary thing, but it's a, it was a, it was a peaceful thing because of my faith in God. But it was it was scary, and I'd never been under surgery for. I never went in an operating before in all my sixty-seven years, sixty-eight years of life. Uh, hope I don't have to do it again. Um, but, to, you know, I, I thought it'd be nice if I would have had a videotape and I'd like to see what they did. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're going to do that, though, because I don't think they want to have people see what they did. But uh, it was interesting because I never saw the inside of the OR. I mean, I was just I was out, next thing I know, three hours later, they're saying, how you doing? And that uh, was amazing. It did, it did make me think about, you know, the twinkling of an eye concept at the rapture. You know, one day we're going to be walking down the street, next thing you know, we'll, we'll be in front of Jesus. And it's like, whoa, okay. You know, it's a wake-up call. So, thank you for your prayers. Uh, again, uh, we do want to continue to pray for our pastor as well, um, and in his uh, safe delivery back to us and rest in time of resting. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews, and when I tell you the verse, you know exactly what it would be, which is Hebrews 11:1. And it's interesting because when the preacher asked me to to take this service, and I always I always counted a, a privilege as a scary privilege to fill in for him at the pulpit, because as, as other men know that have, have had this position, um, you know, we're accountable to God. And so we need to make sure that, that we're saying what he wants us to say and, and, and all of that. Um, so, but I, I do appreciate any time I, I get to have to share uh, God's word with you and count that a privilege. Uh, but when the pastor asked me to, to take this Sunday night service, uh, it was interesting that the, the, the theme or the thought that was in my head, I had no idea where I was going to go with it. But the first thing that came to mind was faith. And right. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And I hadn't been in the, in the hospital. I haven't had, any you know, the surgery and all that wasn't even a twinkling in my eye of something I'd have to go through. But at that point in time, I thought about faith. And little did I know that that I would, I would need to make sure I was exercising that just a, a week later. So uh, let's start by going to the, to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, Lord, I just thank you for for this opportunity to have to bring your message. I pray, Lord, you hide me behind the cross and allow the Holy Spirit to 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 work in me through your word, Lord. And and I just thank you for this opportunity. Pray that it's a blessing to to our church family here. And I just thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Um I gotta find, I gotta make a spectacle out of myself just a second here. Oh, there we go. Okay, much better. I told people, sir, I'm up to three pages now. If I didn't need glasses, I'd be down to a page and a half. But anyway, so in the future, you see, I'm bringing up more and more notes. It has nothing to do with content. It's just larger font size. Uh, that allows pages to look like I got a lot of notes. Uh, in our morning service, Brother Ray, uh, pray for them also as they're traveling uh, to enjoy their 58 years of, of marriage and going east for Tennessee. Uh, brought a message from Second Timothy 4-7 where we found Paul proclaiming that, you know, he's fought the good fight, he kept the faith, uh, and he finished the course. And, and we're told in 1 Corinthians four two that moreover it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. So we were admonished to be faithful people in this morning's message. But when I had the theme or the thought of faith, um, it, it came to me that I think we need to go back to basics sometimes to realize just what faith is. Uh, we hear about it. I mean... Uh, I've had lost people tell me, keep the faith, you know? Uh, And I'm thinking, okay, fine. Um, If we tell people today, lost people, you know, hear that word, keep the faith, and they go to our modern modern dictionary, they're not gonna be helped very much. And it was kind of interesting In, in your modern dictionary today, the definition of faith, different than what we have here in Hebrews 11, chapter one. It says, the dictionary will tell you that it's a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It's really changed quite a bit from what it was in the time that Noah Webster, if any of you have a Noah Webster's 1828, or if you can access it online, it's fascinating to look at how he defined the words. Because being a Christian man, he used the Bible in a lot of his definitions and and the definitions of the words. So if you go back to 1828 and you look at Noah Webster's dictionary, his version of faith says, the firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel, which influences the will and leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. I think it's much better than what we have in our modern dictionary for defining, you know, what faith is. And then obviously in the Bible, Hebrews 11:1, we read that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. although we can't see where God is in the situation, it doesn't mean that, you know, that he's not there. Um, and in 11.1, one, I think one of, the, one of the words there that's really important, and it's, we, it's easy to pass over because it just says the substance. Well, God is the substance. And actually, if, if you think about it, uh, you know, it's, it's the Godhead. That's the substance. That's the foundation of, of our faith. I apologize for keeping hydrated, but <clears throat> otherwise I'm not going to have a voice. Um, the other thing that's important about faith is, it's, it's an action, it's not an emotion. You don't, you know, um, love is an emotion, you, you can feel hurt, but you don't, you don't feel faith. It, it's a reality, it, it's, it's an action, and it's an action based on uh, that substance that I was talking about, our faith, which, which should be, the substance of our faith should be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the great three in one. We, we you know, we believe in, in a triune God, but it is one God. And it's interesting, when you read the Old Testament, you'll realize that the Israelites had no concept of, of a triune God. Uh, like the gods that were in the nations around them, even God said, I'm one God. I'm the God, you're the true God. I'm the God that you should follow. Um, they, didn't, you know, they heard prophecies of God sending somebody, but in the Old Testament, it was, it was just one God. Uh, in, in the burning bush, when Moses said, well, who do I tell them? You know, that's sending me, and you say, I am. Just, just me. I'm, I, I am. Which is a fascinating term because it's not I was, I will be, I can be. It's I am. And, and that's, you know, past, present, and future. Uh, God is God. Um, so, God, you know, our faith, the substance of our faith is God the Creator. And if you look in Genesis, uh, everything from nothing, just a spoken word let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. And it was. Uh, you know, we we think we are so far advanced now. We've got Hubble telescopes and rovers and all that stuff going out in space. We have no idea what God created out there. We can't we can't see beyond our nose as far as the galaxies are concerned and, and what may be out there. Uh, and you know, just just with that w- with his voice, he spoke everything into existence. And then we've got you know uh, it's Hebrews 11:3, a couple of verses down. You can look at it, it says through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which were seen, were not made of things which do not appear, and that's a struggle for a lot of the evolutionists, a lot of the Big Bang people, and all that. They want to have a rationale; they want to be able to say, "Oh, well, this is what exactly what happened. This took place, and this took place 50 billion years ago, and now we're here." Um, it, it's not that way, and that's that's why faith is so important. To have our faith to know that God just spoke everything into existence. And then we come to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, God stepping into human flesh to reestablish his union and fellowship with his creation and those that will believe in Jesus at the work accomplished on the cross of Calvary that put our sins under his blood. That's the nutshell for where, where the substance of Jesus Christ should be a big part of why we have the faith that we have. This is something that's common to everybody in this room as far as I know that has put their trust in in, in Jesus Christ as Savior. That was your first step of faith. That came to you by faith. It came to you through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It came to you through what you know, and that that was your first your first taste of faith was accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And where would we be would be? Excuse me. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Then indwells us, and I I believe you know that's that's the foundation. That's the generator. Of our faith because it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates God's Word to us. Uh, if we didn't have this Holy Spirit, I, I don't know how that plan would have come together because it's, without the Holy Spirit all we're left with is our sin nature. And I think, you know, if there wasn't, a, if, if God didn't send a comforter, even though for a second we might have believed in Jesus Christ, that would easily be, be dashed away without him having that comforter and dwell us in the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, you know, we've, we've only got the sin nature. So I just thank God that he, he didn't leave us alone. He promised he wouldn't leave us alone, and he didn't leave us alone, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for that. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are what enables us, uh, and, and what the, the substance, when they talk about the substance of our faith, in verse one, uh, you know, things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, we don't see the Holy Spirit, we see his actions, we see how he, he manifests himself in life, we see the results of his work in our lives, but we don't physically see him, but by faith we know he's there. Um, people in the world put their faith in a lot of things that are the wrong things. A lot of times people are just putting their faith in themselves. They figure they're smart, enough, they're wise enough, they're, they're, they're cool enough, or whatever, that they can handle anything. So my faith until they're shaken to their very foundation, and they don't know which way to look but up. And, and we pray for that kind of revival in our country today through these wildfires, through the pandemics, we pray that, that people get to a point to where they do look up and they realize that they don't have the answer, but God does. Um, you know, when I used to travel before I got saved, I was on airplanes a lot, and quite honestly, yeah, I, I had a, a faith that the pilot, you know, knew how to fly the plane. I had a faith that the mechanics make sure the plane was in top shape. I had some faith that the weather was gonna behave and wouldn't be a lot of tur- turbulence. But if any one of those failed, where was my faith? I mean, it's like the hospital thing. You know, I could have had faith in the doctors, I had faith in anesthesiologists, which nobody realizes how important they are, you know, and bringing you, bringing you out of, of the condition when they put you under. But I could have put my faith in those things, but my faith had to be more than that because what if God's plan was for me not to make it through surgery? Maybe on his timeline, my time was up. So my faith had to go beyond Getting through that surgery, yeah, I prayed that God would bring me through the surgery. But moreover, it was, well, Lord, if this is, if this is my time, if this is part of your plan that says, well, you know, this is, this is the end of it, you're going to take me home. And my faith had to extend to my wife, had to extend to my church family, that the Lord would comfort them if it was time for me to go, that it would help them, you know, get through the time of, of my passing. So, you know, it was more than just getting through, getting through the surgery. It was It was, you know, what could happen if type of thing. And and so it, you know it was kind of kind of an, important to uh, to look at faith from that perspective and, instead of just people or things or whatever. Um, f- faith is only you know and I've talked about the substance. It's really as only as meaningful as the substance is as the examples I just gave you. So a little faith with great substance, being a little faith with great belief in Jesus Christ will provide positive results, but a, a lot of faith in little substance of man or the things of man will not provide the results that, that, you, that you would like. Um, it's substance that really makes a difference. Uh, it's the object of our faith that determines what the result's going to be. Uh, turn to Romans 1, 16, and 17 real quick. If I can do it real quick, let me see here. Romans 1. So here we've got Paul saying, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, "'for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone, that believe it to the Jew first and also to the Greek. "'For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And I know you've all heard that before, we live by faith, we walk by, you know, we, we, we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, what was interesting is when I came across this verse in my, in my study, and I've come across these things, and maybe in your studies, you've come across something where those words are, as it is written. And I always like to figure out, okay, if it was written someplace before, is it in our Bible? And I don't know if you know this or not, or if you want to make a note. I actually found out where it was written. Um, it's, it's actually from Habakkuk 2.4, where the prophet Habakkuk says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So, as you can see, faith isn't new to the New Testament. Faith is something that was in the Old Testament. People, people were led to God by faith in the Old Testament just as well as they are in the New Testament. And, again, that's just a little nugget for me. I wanted to find out where it's written. So I found it. Sometimes you don't. You know, again, there's a lot of things written that we don't have in our, in our Bible, obviously. But in this particular case, uh, Habakkuk was the one that, that shared us with it. Um, let's go to Hebrews, back to Hebrews 11.6. I'm already there. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. To me that was, why is faith so important? You read that verse and you can't not think and not understand how important it is because it's very clear here, but without it, it's impossible to please him. Him is God. We can't please God without having faith in him. Uh, God, Jesus, when he was here on earth, um, a number of times kind of was brokenhearted at his disciples and talks about, you know, oh, you have little faith because it's like, wait a minute, you saw me feed 5,000, you saw me see 4,000, I've walked on water, I mean, where's your faith, guys? I mean, how much more evidence do you need to have, uh, you know, that I am who I said I am and you can put your, your faith in me, um. So I think an important thing for us to continue to remember, myself included obviously, is, is if, if, we don't, if we don't get strong in our faith, it, it's impossible uh, to please God. So, for him to, um, there, does anybody here know the name Mosi Lister? Mosi, you do, okay. Mosi Lister was a Baptist or ordained Baptist preacher but more interestingly, he was a songwriter. He probably wrote, I think I've heard number different numbers, but hundreds of, of song lyrics. Uh, and I think most of them were gospel songs versus songs that we have in our, in our hymnal. But the words were pretty good. And when I, when I was reading about what, what faith is, he's got a song that, that he wrote called I'm Feeling Fine. Anybody hear that one? Basically the very first lines is I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind I woke up with joy in my soul because I knew the Lord had control and it goes off Yeah, It's kind of pretty pretty lively song, but it's a real uplifting song But I I looked at that song because that last few words of that first verse Is the epitome of faith because I knew my Lord had control. I have faith I knew my Lord had control um, and when I started looking at the author, he, he went by the name of Mosey Lister, but his actual first name was Thomas. He actually passed away here in 2015 in Spring Hill, and he's actually buried up where Virginia is, down at, uh, down in, in Williamson Memorial, um, which I found kind of interesting. I, you know, never, I don't really, sometimes I look into the, the history of songs, but he obviously had a full life. He was like 93, 94 years old when he passed, uh, but he wrote he wrote a song, a lot of songs, uh, with with a with a good gospel message. But you know, I wish I could wake up every morning like this. You know, just feeling fine. Now I know I got an excuse. But hopefully, you know, and I think I think that's where we need to be. When we start our day is realizing, you know, even with the pain that I might have, I'm still fine. I'm vertical. <laughs> you know, uh, so you know, I woke up this morning feeling fine. And waking up with heaven on your mind. You know, that's a tough one for me, I'll be honest with you. Because I don't get a lot of sleep at night. I have to be at work even though it's remotely at 8 o'clock in the morning. Work is about 20 steps from my bed. (laughs) Uh, So it's easy for me to get up at 5 minutes of 8 and be at work at 8 o'clock. But when I do that, I can honestly tell you, heaven is not on my mind. Getting the computer booted up, getting online, and getting to that first Conference call that I have is what's on my mind. So it takes a whole lot of discipline at least for me I don't know for you, but I know it does for me to have a whole lot of discipline to really wake up With heaven on my mind and 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 that's something that you know, I I made a note personal note myself I need to I need to remember to do that Yeah, you know, I woke up, but what's the first thing I need to think about? I need to think about praising God for saving my soul and praising God for keeping me vertical and thank God for my wife and Thanks God for the things around me that he's provided Uh, so, it, you know, and then it, it says, "It woke up with joy in my soul. I can do a little bit better with that one, you know, and I can only do better with that one because of my wife, because she helps put that joy in my soul every day in, in taking care of me and making sure that, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm eating the right stuff and doing the right thing. So, um, so I, just, I just like those first few words of that song. Um, I've heard preachers preach on stages of faith. And we know we've heard the Bible talk about oh you have little faith. We talk about great faith. I found a, I found a reason for what, we, what I would call perfect faith, and then I've heard about wavering faith. And I don't look at those as stages because I don't think a faith is something that that we say okay well we're here and then okay now we've we finally arrived here we finally arrived there. I think it's progressive and I think we can go in and out by degrees. And and the analogy I have when I was when I was a child. Uh, between one and, 1 and 10 every year at the end of our street in Ohio, uh, the circus would come to town at the, uh, at the place down at the end of our street there at the fairgrounds. And as a five-year-old, for some reason, my big attraction was to the Ring of Bill. Anybody know what Ring a Bill is at a carnival? You got the big old mallet, and they got a stand with a bell at the top, and you're supposed to whack this thing with the mallet, and the, the gradient was like puny, and weakling, and try harder, all the way up to super strong type of thing. Well, five years old, I, did, I felt good just getting the weakling, you know? But each year the circus would come to try, and like, i to try to get his best, you know, go up a level, go up a level type of thing on this, on this ring of bell. And that's, you know, to a certain degree, that, that's kind of the way I look at this, the, the, not the, deg- the stages of faith, but the degrees of faith, because faith can grow. Uh, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't grow in a step, stepping stone type of thing. It, it grows with our life experiences. And so we start out, and we don't, definitely don't want to stay here, but we start out with little faith, which is a restless faith. I mean, that's where we, we kind of know, what, yeah, he can do it, but will he do it? Is he really going to help me? You know, that kind of that thing. Um, I think what I probably should have shared something. Let me excuse me. Let me back up one second. For this section to have any value, I need to be sure be able to share with you. Probably the most important part of this message is the obstacles of faith. So if you if you want to take notes, I think this is this is a part that's probably important because we do have a lot of obstacles, and the uh, disciples, the apostles, ran into a lot of obstacles. But one of the obstacles to our faith is that trusting God conflicts with our human reasoning. And again, like I mentioned before, you know, we, we seem to think that we've got to handle a lot of things and all that, but our human reasoning conflicts, trusting God conflicts with our human reasoning. You talk about uh, in, the, in the event where Jesus told the guys that were out there fishing, and these are fishermen, they've been doing it all their life, but he says, hey, no, throw your, notes on, throw, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Human reasoning, he says, <laughs> He's a preacher. Who was he he to tell me how to fish? I've been doing this my whole life. Okay, fine, we'll do it. And they got more fishes than they knew what to do with, you know. So human reasoning can can get in your way. Uh, Again, living by sight. You can't live by faith and live by sight at the same time. They conflict each other. So living by sight is an obstacle. Surrendering to our feelings or allowing our feelings to overcome our faith this is something that I know I've experienced in my life because things hit us sometimes so quickly. The feelings engage before our faith engages. So quite often, our, our faith and, and how we deal with things through our because of our feelings can be obstacles to our faith. Neglecting the word of God, ignoring God's ways, can be an obstacle to our faith. And this is the whole thing of, of reaping and sowing. Um, you know, we we need to we need to not. Neglect being in the Word of God because how are we going to find out about that substance unless we're in the Word of God? I've heard I've had people tell me say, well, you know God never talks to me Well, obviously not in your Bible because that's where he talks to us. You know, it's, it's through his word He's not going to give us an audible voice. We get, you know, we get prompted to things I think by God um, But if you want to know the attributes of God of Christ the Holy Spirit The only place you're going to get that is is out of the Bible so neglecting the word of God is an obstacle to our faith. Continuing in sin is a great obstacle to our faith. Uh, we can have faith in, in, in God, but if we continue in sin, we're not reflecting in our life that faith that we say that we have. So that could be an obstacle to our faith as well. And in Satan's tactics, Satan has he's always tempted people by distorting their beliefs and driving a wedge between us and God, and it's been that way since the Garden. I mean, he he tried to twist God's word, you know, to where Eve was was tempted, and and Satan is doing that very same thing today. He'll he'll just take God's word, twist it a little bit, and say, hey, see, it's not so bad, uh, and so that obviously can become an obstacle uh, to our to our faith as well. So I I say that. Let me go back to where I was with little faith because when I talk about Matthew 8:23 and 27. In the storm of Galilee, um, where Jesus said, "You know, O ye of little faith," when these fishermen are out on the lake and that storm came up again, they're fishermen. They've probably been out there in storms before, but this is one probably like they hadn't seen in a long time, and they were they were scared by it. Um, but their first inclination was allowed to their human reasoning, you know, to disturb their faith, as well as as well as their um, their feelings at the time of fear and that were driving, you know, them away from the faith. And there was faith sitting in the boat with them, you know. Uh, and that's why the Lord said, okay, fine, I'll quiet the storm, owe you a little faith. I mean, don't you know who I am and don't you know I can bring you through this? Uh, same thing with, with Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel's in the lion's den. Uh, it was his faith, obviously, that brought him through that. Uh, David in the first Samuel, David and Goliath. It was his faith. It wasn't. I mean, there's no way he could have looked at that guy and said, "I can take him." I mean, the guy's about two and a half feet taller than he is. I mean, uh, so human reasoning wouldn't wouldn't have worked out too well for him. Uh, he did ensure sure fear because what he what he fought Goliath with was the word of God, you know, and and he had enough. Faith in God, I always find it interesting why he picked up five stones in that. Everybody says, well, that's because Goliath had brothers, and he just wanted to make sure he could take care of the whole picture if it happened. Um, which may be the case, I don't know. But, if, you know, we look at we look at the faith there. Um, there's a story in, in Mark chapter 9, 17 to 19. It says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered them and said, O faithless generation. And again, you have to, you know, from God's perspective, you know, Christ is here on the earth for three and a half years. He's healing everybody, he's taking out, you know, the, the, the evil spirits of people, he's raising the dead. But yet, for whatever reason, people just. Don't get it. They just don't put their faith in, in him. So he was, you know, I'm sure he was a little, uh, he was probably disappointed. But again, being God, he knew what he was, what what he was dealing with and what he was facing. So we don't we don't want to stay in little faith. Uh, We need to be able to grow from that point and 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 not be there. Then we get to great faith. Basically, this is this is where somebody stands on the truth of the word of God. And, and says, you know, basically says, he will do it. He will, he will believe in God. He'll do what God tells him to do. He has faith in God. And this is where we get to David and Goliath. And we get uh, a couple of them, a couple of stories in, in the, the Old Testament with, with, or the New Testament with Jesus. Matthew 8, 5. And, and again, you, I could turn to here, but these are all things that when I start talking about and you'll be familiar. Matthew 8, 5 is where the centurion comes to Jesus. And says, hey, I've got, I've got a servant that's sick in my house. And Jesus says, hey, no problem. I, you know, I know you're not my people, but I'll, I'll come and heal your servant. And the centurion says, no, no, no. I have faith. I know who you are. I know what you've done. You've got, you know, you're under authority. I'm under authority. He says, all you got to do is tell me it's done, and I'll believe that. And, and this is a Gentile man. But he had enough faith, and he knew who Jesus Christ was and what Jesus Christ was capable of. And that very hour when, you know, if you read the whole story, the security is going back and he's asking people of his house, how's my servant come to find out the very hour Jesus said, you know, I've healed him, the servant was healed. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, he, he's never seen so great a faith in all, in all of Israel. And here was a Gentile man. And we have another example of that in Matthew 15 and 21. And this is the Canaanite woman whose daughter was vexed with a devil. And she came to talk to Jesus, and Jesus just ignored her. She was, she was Canaanite. She was Gentile. It really wasn't right for Jews to be talking to Gentiles, so Jesus never just did, didn't pay attention to her. And, and as the story goes, Jesus finally told her, he says, you know, he says, he says what have I to do, you know, to, to basically feed somebody or take somebody, tear somebody that's not, a, not a, an Israelite? And he says, you know, I, why should I feed them, you know? And the lady says, Well, wait a minute. He says, You know, even the crumbs, I'll, I'll even take a crumb. I, again, she knew who he was. She knew what power he had. She knew that he was capable of taking care of his daughter. And when she said, Lord, all I need from you are just your crumbs, I, you know, that's enough, that's enough to heal my daughter. She was healed. Again, great faith on her part to do that. And then you all know about the, the woman that had the issue of blood. All she knew, you know, she, again, she knew the power of Christ. She knew what he was able to do, and she figured all I need, I don't even need to shake his hand. I don't need to say hi to him. All I need to do is touch the hem of his garment. And that's all she did, and she was, she was healed as well by her faith. And these are all examples of, of the great faith that, that were evident in people's lives during, during the New Testament times. Perfect faith is kind of interesting because perfect faith, I don't want, to, I don't want the word perfect to be what you think it, it means because we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. We'll never have arrived at anything in our in our earthly years that we have here. Um, but perfect faith comes a lot from maturity in the Lord. People have been saved 20, 30, 40 years. There, there comes a situation to where you just have more confidence. You know what to do with it. God's going to bring you through it. You know, uh, we don't... There's certain things we just don't wonder about because God's brought us through it before. We believe that God's gonna do it again. And to me, that's you know, that's somewhat of a a perfect faith, is that you know, God is who he said and he's he's gonna do what he said he would do. And so to me, perfect faith is really standing on the promises of God. So when we get a promise from God, and I've got a list an arm long, and I could I could ask probably everyone of you in this room, give me a promise to God, and you'd be able to come up with something, because there's tons of them. But those promises we don't wonder if those promises apply to us. Is that really a promise? we don't we don't have those doubts. We have faith. We have confidence in in God to know. and that's that's where I see the perfect face coming coming is standing on a, on the promises. So we just thank him for what he's doing, uh, what he's going to do, uh, and just kind of be in praise mode during those times. And then we have wavering wavering faith, which is kind of a juvenile kind of faith that we should be a we should never have to be permanent part of our life where, where we, we doubt. Um, turn to James 1, verse 8, real quick. Just a few pages over. James 1, verse 8, and you probably all know this verse. It says, a double-minded man is unstable all his ways. We've got to be focused on Christ. A double-minded man is unstable in all the ways that instability, which to me creates this kind of a wavering kind of faith. It's like, well, maybe he might, maybe he might not. Uh, oh, I think I'm okay with this one. Um, we can't be double-minded, we have to be single-minded with Christ being what that single substance is that, that our mind is, is focused on um, to avoid having a wavering kind of faith. So looking at these four, kind of four degrees, One of the things I noticed is that I can recall days where my faith has been in more than one of these (laughs) positions based on situations that have come up. I, I need to stay away from little faith, but there are times in a day where I've had an instance where maybe my faith appeared to be little faith, but later on another incident would occur, and I had great faith over that. So these aren't stepping stones. It's not that we go from little faith you know, to great faith, to perfect faith. These variations or degrees of faith can enter our life at any point in time. Again, we we don't, we don't arrive at, at a particular point of perfection in this. Um, and so, I, you know, I just think that it's important that we look at these as, as degrees, not really as, as uh, stages or, or points that we go to from one to another. Um, so, what does faith get it get us what's so fine we have faith, but you know what's what's in it for us that we have faith um, and I think that's important because our faith through faith, we have access to God. If it wasn't for our faith in God, why would we need access to God? Um, so you know that's that's one value or one. One element of, of having having faith is that we have access to God by our faith. And we walk by faith. Again, as I said in the beginning, this is it's, it's, it's an action. It's not an emotion. It's something that we physically do. Um, it's, it's part of our daily life and our lifestyle. And that's that's something I see missing, unfortunately, from a lot of Christians. And I don't know if it's because of the easy believism that crept into our lives uh, over the years. You know, I, I look back. And say for about 35 years now, but I go back and I look at periods of times and and I don't hear it so much anymore except for people maybe my age or Sam's age or Ray's age, but you know, they might talk about the good old days. Quite honestly, you know, the good old days were about 10 years in my mind from 1945 to 1955. I got a taste of that time, but when you think of it, when the guys came back from war, from WW2, war was over, it was a time of prosperity. Our highway system was being built. Men went back to work in the factories. There was money, there were things to do. People started traveling, leaving the hometowns that they grew up in to see other towns, seek new opportunities. So there was some element of the, of the good old days between that period of time. Now I was born in 53, so I didn't get a lot of it, but I do have Ozzie and Harriet. I've got Leave it to Beaver. I've got the, you know those type of, of shows that uh, kind of personified back then what was called a nuclear family and you know mom and dad came to dinner in in a suit and she wore a dress at the dinner table and you know things like that and it it probably looks a little corny to a lot of people today but for me if if I have to go back and even before nineteen forty five if you go back further I can't find the good old days going back because before the war you go to the depression. Before the depression yeah maybe they had a roaring trony but that's because they came out of another war. So when I have to look at good old days, I'm thinking 45 to 55, maybe that covers it. But unfortunately, we've got a whole lot more battle days at this point in time than we've got good old days because obviously 1955, I mean, that's almost what, 70, 65 years ago. And for 65 years, uh, I have never seen such a degradation, an abuse, and a destruction of the moral fiber and fabric of what we used to call a Christian nation than what I see today. And it, and it it's, doesn't appear to be getting any better. And it goes back to what I read you about what's the modern version of, of faith today. Just belief in something, you know, and you're okay. Uh, I remember going to school, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I don't remember probably the first couple of years when I was two, but by the time I, I remember going to school by the time of five, our president at the time, Dwight David Eisenhower, decided to put in a word into that pledge that wasn't there before. And the words that he put in there was, under God. They weren't there before that point in time. In 1954, Dwight David Eisenhower decided to put in under God. And boy, did he create some havoc with that. Uh, There'd been more lawsuits, more attempts to get rid of it, uh, I did see in my lifetime that it was taken out of schools. At one point in time, it was mandatory. I had no problem standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance and putting that phrase in there, and everybody in the class joined me. We had none of us, When nobody abstained. Nobody said, oh, it's against my religion. Or, you know, we didn't have any of that. It was just as the way you started your school day, and I appreciated that. But that went away. I don't know exactly what year that faded out, but it did. But that was the decline. And then we had Roe versus Wade. And now we got same-sex marriages. I mean, what... What I knew as a youngster, as a Christian nation, I don't recognize today. I have no reason why the president or somebody can't say without causing a lot of trouble that we believe in God. Forget about religion, forget about Christianity, just take a stand and say, God is is where we will seek our direction. And I just, I really pray that whoever gets into office, you know, will will act on that and, and, and make sure that, and try to get us back to, to God being, uh, you know, and allowing him to work in this country uh, because we've just, we've just done so many things against him in, in my lifetime, and, uh, and, and that's really unfortunate uh, to have seen and to have lived through that. Uh, period of time, and, and it's because I've lived through that. I do look for that blessed hope of His appearing. I'll take Him any time He wants to come. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready, ready to go. Any anytime He decides to call us all up yonder, then, uh, then, I'm I'm good with that because I you know as much as I would love to see revival and people to, to see change and Roe v. Wade overturned and same-sex marriage is overturned and us get our moral compass straightened out under God. I, I at the same time. I do have a little weak faith going on there because of what I see, and and so I just, you know, I do pray that we'll we'll see some help there. But uh, you know, when we don't exercise our faith, we're basically challenging God's integrity. Um, Until actions are associated with our faith, it's not faith because faith is not is not feelings. As I said, faith appears when what we believe about God, our intellectual level. Translates into how do we respond to that faith? And that's the same thing true with salvation I knew intellectually about Jesus Christ. I'd gone to a church My parents took me to church at the end of the street when we grew up in Ohio So I knew that there was a God. I knew that there was a Jesus. I knew about Ten Commandments I knew about those things, but it wasn't until very late in life That that transfers my intellectual level into my heart and that's the same the same thing here uh, goes by faith is to taking, taking that faith and what we believe about God out of our head because we read it through his word, but translating that into, into, into our belief system and into the way that we walk uh, day by day. Um, when you, you look at the value of faith, and back to our, our scriptures there in Hebrews eleven two, it says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. It was their faith that allowed people to say, hey, I know this person's walk. I've seen I, I've seen how they act. I've seen how they believe. And I know that their faith, it's because of their faith that, that I can see uh, the integrity of God reflected in, in their life. Um, when the pastor <clears throat> asks us to preach, he's, sometimes he'll say, well, I, you know, I want you to bring a challenge to the people. And I thought, well, I'm the one who needs to be challenged, but I'll try. Um... So I guess the challenge, I guess, from, from this message for you this evening is, is, you know, does God want to have integrity? Because we talk about faith being our integrity in, in God. But does he want us to have our integrity of every subject? And, and that's really where the rubber meets the road for us. So, yeah, we're, we're accepting faith in God for his eternal life. That's, that's easy. That's a blessing. We, we have that promise. But do we exercise our integrity in God and our faith in, in the sanctity of marriage, in the stewardship of our finances, in our relationships with one another. Some of those areas might be a little tough for us. I know they are for me on occasion. Uh, but that same integrity, that same, that, that same uh, integrity that we put in God and the faith that we put in God, are we walking in faith in, in those areas of our life? You know, again, an example of perfect faith early in our Christian life, we were in a church that believed in faith promised missions. Uh, I count that a blessing. It's been probably 30 years, I guess. We've always been in the Faith Promise Church. And and the notion of tithing and giving on to the Lord, I went from little faith of working down a calculator to great faith of saying, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, just just do it. And God's never, I've never had a time that I can think of where I've said, Wow, I probably put too much on that card back in February. You know, it just hasn't happened. And and I don't believe it ever will happen. So for me, that's an area of of great faith. Um, So there, you know, but I I think we need to expand faith to every aspect. I mean, because when it says walk by faith, it doesn't say walking just in your church attendance, walking just in your Bible reading, walking just in your prayer time. You know, that's the thing about God. He takes, he, he looks at things very holistically. So it's, it's walking by faith in all aspects of our life as a Christian that has faith in God. So that's, that's kind of the, the challenge. So, the, the, you know, the question is when we look at Ray's messages this morning and we look at, at where we have our faith and how we walk in faith, um, the question will be is, you know, will we be received with, well, done no good, and faithful servant, because now that we know what faith is and what God expects of us by our faith, it's those elements that will determine whether or not we get that greeting uh, when the time comes, Uh, so that would be my my challenge for tonight, so let's go to the Lord in prayer.